Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. Um, hey guys, welcome back to another week of Killer Cocktails. This is Drea. This is Jackie. And this week we're doing the mint julep. Mint julep. And why are we doing the mint julep, Jackie? Derby day. Derby. Bruh, 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 Kentucky Derby. Yes. <laughs> what is Kentucky Derby? It's a horse race. It is a horse race in Louisville, Kentucky. At Churchill Downs. Yes. I think that's the name of the track, oh, right? Okay, cool. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's there's a bunch. If you're going to be like the super horse of the year, you're going to win at the Kentucky Derby, but you're also going to win the Preakness. Uh-huh. You're also going to win other horse races that I don't know the name of. Mm-hmm. The Belmont. The Belmont. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the Triple Crown. They've got some great, great horse names. Mm-hmm. And that's half the fun is like reading the all the names the yeah and the hats i feel like it's the hats the hats are fun mm-hmm. have, I we, think... have we talked about this where for some random i can't remember why mother's day my friends and i all in the bay decided we would go to the horse races we like did mother's day with our mothers and then we all went to oakland and went to golden gate fields uh-huh. and wore dresses and hats and pearls and had a day at the races nice it's very fun that's awesome i just remember seeing um some pretty drunk people from the derby like because you go out on the mud slick area and mm. like there's like you're high... talking on the on the television you saw this or you were yeah, there yeah no 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 on television and uh pictures um but like you see the high-end derby and then you see the very low-end derby and i'll bet the low-end one's pretty fun yeah yeah because you oh, get the high-end one's fun yeah you get sloshy actually the the reason why we're doing the mint julep is because that is the kentucky derby like cocktail the drink. yeah they make them in bathtubs ladle them in drinks <laughs> in bathtubs not just jar no, barrels? probably back in the day oh okay okay cool. i'll believe that um but essentially this drink is uh your whiskey your mint and your simple syrup. Bourbon, not just whiskey. Okay, bourbon whiskey. Sorry, bourbon whiskey. Woodford uh, Reserve is the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby, according to the Kentucky Derby website. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think traditionally it was made with a different The old bourbon. caster. Old the forest. Old forest. Forester? Yeah, the one I sent you earlier. Yeah, yeah, we were debating whether to get that traditional one. And then we're like, eh, we'll never use it for anything else. So We already have Buffalo Trace. We already have Buffalo a Trace. tasty little bourbon. Yeah, so we use Buffalo Trace for this. Um, but yeah, simple syrup, mint. Uh, we tried to infuse our simple syrup. Uh, something mm-hmm. went wrong. I don't know. It. So we actually recorded this episode months ago. At, a year ago. Not a year ago. Like a year ago. It was like a couple, like... It was like June of last summer. Oh, I guess we were recording before we released. Okay, so about a year ago, we recorded uh, Mint Julep at a house-sitting house that I was house-sitting for, and it was so whoa, echoey whoa, whoa. <laughs> that we had to trash the episode. And we also lost a hard drive out there. Um, a little uh, oh, a little drive, flash. A little yeah. Uh, so somebody stick. randomly has some murder podcasts <laughs> in their weird house. thing to find at your house. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um... But anywho, um, when we first made these drinks, they were tasty. No. Oh. First time we made them, you were not a fan because we did a recipe that was like, it had a little bit of bubble water in it, and it just tasted like bourbon. Mm. 
So I thought it was taste. I was like, it just tastes like watered down bourbon. And you were like, I'm not a fan of this. Yeah. And then because we had read about infusing simple syrups, mm-hmm. we tried to do like a short infused simple syrup and we made the second version which i can't remember what we did but we loved them you know what we probably did is we probably also muddled mint leaves on top of this infused simple syrup because this one oh you didn't do that this time no mm -mm. i was just like "Eh." muddling's for chumps i didn't have the heart to make an actual (laughs) cocktail (laughs) busy lady busy Busy, lady um anywho make we'll post the correct recipe and you'll you guys will have a great time these are really leave comments good. tell us ways that you know them to be better yeah definitely um so a little bit of history on the mint juleps mint juleps are served in low ball glasses or more traditionally in pewter julep cups with crushed or shaved ice yeah getting that fancy cup <laughs> if using pewter cups make sure you don't hold it from the middle section otherwise you'll mess up the lovely frost that the ice creates on the outside of the cup now i'm remembering that we used stainless steel mm-hmm. pint glasses last with time. uh uh game of thrones yeah yeah paraphernalia on the outside <laughs> that's right we'll we'll post those pictures they were some rad we did some cool stuff yeah um this, cool. co- this cocktail started in virginia and made its way to the kentucky, uh, kentucky where it became the official drink of the kentucky derby in 1938 okay um so how many mint juleps do you think are consumed during the two-day kentucky mm. and kentucky oaks event i feel like you asked me this last time and yeah i had a very good guess i was close so close how now it's out of my brain how many are served during the Kentucky Derby? And the Kentucky Oaks event, whatever that okay, means. Whatever that is. Yeah. So over two days. Hmm, okay. Bathtubs of this drink. Yeah, yeah. 125,000. Dude, 120,000. Mm. Dude, I think you're closer this time around too. Uh, I mean, I'll- at one point I did hear this fact, <laughs> so it's possible it's just buried back there. No, mine is always just just out, out, it out the ear i just uh. kind of figured the crowd it probably holds like 60 grand like sixty thousand people mm-hmm. 60 grand. And, let, <laughs> and let's just say like two drinks a person mm-hmm. some people drink more than that some people won't. i just figured yeah that was, double that was... the occupancy i don't know what the occupancy is but that felt right that felt right well you did good um so during the derby they also go through more than 10,000 bottles of Old Forester mint julep ready to serve cocktail. Uh, okay, like a prepackaged. Uh, well, that that was what we were going to buy. So that thing is kind of like the Kahlua that's um, that's made for the mudslides. Mud yeah, okay. so think Forester, like you're ready to go. You just get some more mint in there. I got to think that's not as good a cocktail. That's just for efficiency and fastness. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could have got some and tried it out, but... <laughs> Alas. Oh, no. <laughs> um, they also go through 1,000 pounds of freshly harvested mint and 60,000 pounds of ice. Wow. How many pounds of mint? 1,000 pounds. Mint is not heavy. Yeah. So that's a lot of mint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, it was once made with rum and brandy before bourbon. It's been said that it was once used for medicinal purposes. It was used by farmers for a morning jolt of energy before they had to plow the fields. Oh, my God. What wasn't originally a medicine that is now <laughs> not viewed that way? The cocaine. Cocaine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's kind of like your backstory of the mint julep. All right. Yeah. And a little Kentucky Derby facts for you. All right, cool. Uh, murder time? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I'm going to tell you about Donald Harvey. Okay. Um, so most of these details, there's a ton of like little articles and like Wikipedias and stuff about him, but I found an article that was published only a couple months ago 
um, by this guy, William DeLong. And it's very in-depth. I got a ton of the details from him. So I'm going to shout him out because he did a really good job investigating it. So Donald Harvey was born outside Cincinnati, Ohio on April 15th, 1952. Okay. Uh, soon after his birth, the family moves to Boonville, Kentucky. Mm. There's my tie. It's a small little town in Appalachia. Okay. Uh, they're kind of poor. They live in the mountains. They're kind of in eastern Kentucky. It's alleged that Harvey was abused by an uncle and a neighbor Aww. at an age as young as four. Aww. So he's got a, a hard, a yeah. hard life. Um, when teachers, like when they kind of reminisce on his school time, they remember really liking him. He liked adults a lot, but that he didn't really connect with other kids. Okay. And when they kind of talked to students that went with it, like, yeah, he, we didn't really interact with him. Um, he was remembered as well-liked, but kind of isolated from students. Mm-hmm. Um, he dropped out of school at about ninth grade, but he earned his GED through uh, through the mail, through a correspondence school in Chicago. Hmm. So I guess before the, the internet, internet yeah. you just, just like you could get ordained through the mail. And now you can do it online. Yeah. You could get your GED through the mail. Weird. I guess, yeah. Which I think is how, like, prisoners would do it, too. Okay. It's probably a similar program. Do, do you know if they send you the full course load, like, all in the get-go? Or is it kind of like... And when you work your way through it? I don't know. Yeah. Curious. I'd be curious. Um, so he's unemployed. So he has his GED, but he's unemployed. Um, he goes to visit his ill grandfather, who is dying in a hospital in Kentucky. And it's then... That he kind of gets a fascination with death. Okay. He didn't kill his grandfather, but he was there and helping to take care of him. And kind of, he's in a hospital setting and he's seeing all this around him. And he's kind of like, ooh, I'm like in control of my grandfather's health. Yeah. So he had become a regular at the hospital when he was visiting his grandfather. So he's eventually asked to become an orderly. Mm -hmm. Uh, He... Distributed medications to people. He saw patients uh, for their medical and, like, personal needs. He'd, like, I think help bathe them and, and do other little chores. Um, he became obsessed with the feeling of power over helpless people. And he really got off on controlling their routines. Okay. Um, Harvey killed someone for the first time on May 30th, 1970. So he'd been there for about two weeks yeah. taking care of people. Two was, weeks? Yep. There was a stroke victim, Logan Evans, who had angered Harvey by rubbing feces on his face. Ah. Um, and so in response to that, Harvey smothered Evans with, a, with like, plastic and a pillow. So just, like, uh. smothers him to death. No one at the hospital was suspicious of this, though. Um, and for Harvey, it kind of unleashed his mind. He was like, ooh, I liked I that. Was he, like, a night orderly? Or, like, how is he getting away with this? Um, I don't, they never specified PM, AM, okay. but everyone's familiar with him. Yeah. He went on to, he smothered a bunch of other people. He would, uh, hook them up to empty oxygen tanks. So they weren't getting oxygen <gasps> and they would die. Oh my God. Um, on one occasion he got really upset with a patient who had done something to anger him. And instead of putting in a catheter, he impaled him with a wire hanger. Ah. Oh! Uh, no, 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 no. God, okay, so... So he's of, kind of torturing them, too. Part of me is like, you know, an old home, or what do they call it? Retirement home? 
this is a hospital though yeah oh dang it. okay part of me thinks that'd be really fun you're with people your own age you're playing it's bingo. old people dorms you're yeah you're going out you're having you're apparently you having a lot kind of kind of have your health it seems like a lot of fun yeah yeah and like apparently they have a lot of sexual relations mm-hmm. so it's, it's a they good time stds go are rampant in <laughs> old, old dorms um but it's but it's crazy to think about when you get to that point in your life where you you need help because you can't take care mm-hmm. of yourself and all those manners um that someone can do that to you just and that it become you become it, a prisoner uncommon yeah it's not everywhere uh, it's not super pervasive but so that it scary. does happen i don't like it you'll never get ultra are you saying i'm gonna die young <laughs> <laughs> what do you have planned for me <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's why you took that <laughs> all right so he's torturing people <laughs> oh god okay um but because his victims were old and in poor health, no one really suspected him. Everyone just keeps think- thinking that these are old people yeah, dying in yeah. a hospital because they're it's kind natural. of on hospice. Yeah. Um, in an interview that Harvey once gave, he said that doctors were too busy and too overworked to even notice. Mm. Um, so this is, a, this is a quote. I don't think this is his quote, though. Most of the doctors would be so overworked, so busy, that a patient could die and the family doctor would not come in and pronounce the person dead. They'd have a resident do it. They just pronounce him dead and send him straight to the funeral home. Hmm. Do you know if he chose his victims because he's like, oh, I noticed that you don't have people visiting you? or did- So that was never specified, but he does say a handful of times that he felt like these were mercy killings. Oh. He felt like he was putting people out of their misery and that they either voiced that they wanted to die or he felt like they should die, that like he didn't agree with the situation. Okay. Um, but, like, torturing them doesn't really yeah. speak to that. <clears throat> so uh, some of his favorite methods of murder was cyanide poisoning, arsenic, rat poison, um, petroleum distillates, whatever that is. He would put the chemicals into food, fruit juices, pies, puddings. Um, he would suffocate some victims with pillows, or he would let the oxygen tanks run out of air. That's kind of risky because, like, if an autopsy is performed, I know it's probably unlikely, he's leaving a trail. Correct. Okay. So, while all this is going on, he's kind of struggling with depression and thoughts of suicide. Um, he had, so he had multiple relationships with men, mm-hmm. like well, like and like long term relationships, okay. where most of them did not involve abuse, and they were just like normal homosexual relationships. He had a relationship with this married guy, though uh, Vernon Midden, who was a um, undertaker. Okay. And was also into the occult. Okay. So he starts... the occult again. I know. So he starts learning about the occult, and Vernon is kind of telling him some stuff about the human body that then helps morph ways that he's telling people to not leave evidence behind. So I don't think Vernon knows that he's aiding in that, because he's just, like, talking shop, just talking about work. Yeah. Um, When that relationship kind of soured um harvey like contemplated the idea of embalming vernon while he was alive oh oh he didn't no go through with it okay but he like dreamed about it okay did he leave journals or is this oh he has extensive diaries of course he does in 1971 uh he set the bathroom of an empty apartment in his building on fire in an attempt to kill himself so he tried to just like 
burn himself up in an inferno. Oh, what a horrible... No, God. Um, he was subsequently arrested. He paid a $50 fine for setting the fire. Um, he tried to kill himself again with NyQuil. He was... This is what's kind of weird. He was arrested on suspicion of burglarizing his own apartment. Okay. Um... Was he, he trying to get money, insurance I, money or something? He was drunk when they apprehended him, and he started bragging about all the people that he had killed <gasps> to the police. Oh. he like, I've killed 15 people at Marymount Hospital. And did they take him seriously? They went through an exhaustive investigation and didn't find any evidence. They're like, uh, this guy's just a drunk, spouting no. off crazy stuff. Uh, so was so close. I know. He briefly enlists in the Air Force. Um, but he's quickly asked to leave. He gets a honorable dis or I think an honorable discharge. Um, they say that he's kind of mentally unfit. He's okay. he, he had another suicide attempt, I think. Okay. Um, then he when that happens, he then has another suicide attempt while he was so he leaves the Air Force and now he's seeking assistance from the VA hospital for yeah. his mental issues, and he underwent about a dozen electroshock. Oh, my God. Therapies. Um, has that been proven to, like, change your personality? It has to. Right? I mean, they don't do it anymore. Yeah. Do they? I mean, probably somewhere. I think they do. That's worth looking into. Yeah. Um, Harvey became more involved with the occult. So now he's not with that guy anymore. He's not in the Air Force. He's kind of floundering. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets really into the occult. He joins a group. No. And this is where he meets a spiritual advisor named Duncan. Ew. And Duncan kind of helps him choose victims. No. He'll, like, talk about who, and Duncan will help. I only saw that mentioned in one article, but worth mentioning. Okay. Um, so he's having these relationships with these guys, and one of them, uh, anyone who's a problem to the relationship, he poisons. No. So, like, the guy has this friend who's kind of like, hey, he seems kind of weird. Poisons her. And dies? No. We'll get back to her. Okay. He poisoned a neighbor who, like, complained about them. When the dad and the mom weren't fans of the relationship, he poisoned both. The mom got sick. The dad died. <gasps> oh. It looked like a stroke. Yeah. The friend that he poisoned, he would get, like, dirty needle. He uh. infected her with hepatitis. Oh, uh, what? And tried to infect her with HIV, but she didn't get HIV. Oh, my God. Uh, Wait, because she, she, you said she was in a... Drugs, you said? Or how did no, he... No, I think he would steal... I don't know how he did oh, that. Oh, he was getting dirty needles from somewhere yeah. else and just started pricking her? Yeah, or he... Because uh. he also poisoned her food, so I don't know how he thought he was... Uh. Uh, what he... She contracted hepatitis B. Okay. And I don't know how that one moves about. Yeah. But however, it like, he gave it to her. No. On purpose. So, uh, at one point, are we at he right even... What's that? How many people are we at right now? Oh, I will get to a total okay. at the end. Um, he kills one of his ex-boyfriends because he's just kind of mad at him. Um, he eventually, so he is at the hospital, then he's Air Force, kind of unemployed. He gets a job at a morgue. So he's ma- he makes his way up to manager at this morgue um, before he gets fired because a security guard found a gun in his gym bag. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you got to go. There's no record that's made on his file. So when he's applying to more hospitals, no one knows of any of this kind of background stuff. Do they do that just to make it go away? Yeah. Okay. Um, so he eventually lands a job at Cincinnati Drake Memorial Hospital. Um, 
and he he's like it said that he was super excited to be working with living people again. Oh no, because he really likes yeah murdering them. Yeah. So, Mr. John Powell was in a motorcycle accident in March of 1987. He later died in his hospital bed, and when a doctor was performing a routine autopsy on Powell's stomach, he smelled a very what is apparently a very specific oh, smell that is cyanide. The almond? I like it kind of smells like, yeah. I, yeah, did, yeah. I didn't know it had a smell. Not everybody can smell it, too. Oh, like I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can and I can't because your nose is just wired that way. Don't know. Uh. So, doctor cuts open this tummy. He's like, <laughs> tummy. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he goes, I smell cyanide. Yeah. So, then it becomes clear that Powell didn't die in an accident, but that he was poisoned. So now they're like, let's look into this. Yeah. Um, so Harvey, uh, he was an attending nurse. The investigation quickly, like, spins on him because he had contact with them. Um, everyone, they're all asked to, like, do a lie detector test. And he, like, no-showed for the day that he was supposed to go. Said he was sick. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sick. He said... Uh, okay, so, and here's the other spin of that. If you were to the hospital and somebody died under mysterious circumstances, and they said, cool, everybody, we're bringing you in, everyone's going to go through a lie detector, would you, would you go to a lie detector test? I mean, yeah, I don't, oh, I would not. Why? Because it's a pseudoscience and it's not real. Yeah. So why in the world? If I have nothing to hide, yeah. If I didn't do anything, yeah. Why would I go into a phony baloney? But this is back in the day, where they don't know that yet. They think it's real. I'm asking you now. Oh, now? Mm. I would not. I would under I no have... circumstance am I going through a lie detector test because it's hogwash. Yeah. No, I completely agree. It is, and it's been proven that is true. Um. I just have such a weird thing with authority. Like, I have to do what they're telling me. Like, <laughs> no, you don't take your medicine. That's not true. <laughs> no, it's like on the flip. No, but like, oh my God. Like, one time I got pulled over um, because I, I was talking on my phone and I just started <laughs> crying. And it wasn't because, like, I was trying to get out of the ticket. No, I just, just, my body was just yeah. like, ah, and they come over and there's two of them and they're like, oh my God, mister, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't, and then they're like, "Can I get your license and registration?" And I don't know what that means, so I just had to hand them <laughs> everything in my glove box. <laughs> no, I've had this whole thing with Kyle. He had to like organize and clean out everything because he's like, "This registration is old." This yeah, is you have to <laughs> current proof of insurance, current registration, easily accessible. You can't be rooting through like tampons and shit. You have to have it ready to go. Well, I handed them to <laughs> they're like, me, and I was crying. I was like, I don't know what to do. I've never this has never happened before. Oh my god. Yeah. So. Anywho, I know I probably if someone so was like you would, you, no lawyer. You would just go into no, an, I think an interrogation would, room no. and you would just. I want to be say I would, to a lie detector. I want to say I'd call a lawyer and they'd be like, "You don't have to do, do this." I'm like, "Perfect," but me just being like, if I was at work and they're like, "Come into this room," I'm like, "What's going on?" Oh God, here, here we go. You, oh, Trey, don't do that. Okay. You get lumped into something you had no part of. Making a murder. Just because you're a nervous person. All that thing registers <laughs> is nervousness in your body. It registers heart rate. When your heart rate goes up, your heart rate goes up when you're nervous. Sweating it like... Is your name Chandrea? No. Yes. Yes. No. Yeah. You're going to be all over the place with this test. <laughs> Oops. 
as your non-lawyer, I recommend you not <laughs> take a lie detector test. Okay. So, anywho, they, they he call doesn't, everybody. He doesn't do it. And well, then it makes him look super guilty. Is he the only one? Who doesn't show up for it? I yeah. think so. Uh, and he is guilty. He is guilty. Yeah. So they bring him in for questioning. They're like, all right, cool. You're not going to get hooked up to this thing, but we're going to bring you. And he confesses. He's just dying. He's to just, tell everybody. Yeah. So uh, he said he did it because he felt sorry for Powell and his family. Um, he didn't talk about the other murders. He just said, or other murders. Mm-hmm. He just says, yeah, I killed Powell. Um, but evidence soon starts mounting and mounting. And they're like, wait, a bunch of people died. He was the last person in the room yeah. when they died. Um, he was the nurse on duty for dozens, Ugh. dozens Ugh. of other deaths in two different hospitals, one in Kentucky, one in Ohio. So authorities have enough, had enough evidence to convict him uh, for killing 37 people. Oh, my God. Over a four-year span. Oh, my God. Um, they said that he ended the lives of 21 patients at the Drake Hospital in Cincinnati between 1970 and 71 that he killed 13 patients at Marymount Hospital in London, Kentucky. Um, Harvey once said, I felt what I was doing was right. I was putting people out of their misery. I hope if I'm ever sick and full of tubes or on a respirator, someone would come in and end it. No, that's bullshit because he was killing his friend, like his boyfriend's friends. Correct. Okay. Did they count those people in the mix of They aren't in that count. Okay. So in court, Harvey laughed when prosecutors showed the names of all of his victims up on a board. Because he's like, that's not all of them? (laughs) Maybe. Okay. Um, So he had these detailed journals the prosecutors are like ripping through trying to find more crimes. On August 18th, 1987, um, he pled guilty to 24 counts of murder, four counts of attempted murder, and one count of felonious assault. Um, Four days later, he pled guilty to 25 murders and was subsequently sentenced to four consecutive 20 years to life sentences. So when he is convicted of all those 25 they're not having 25 separate cases right they kind of lump those all together somehow um because usually you know he pled guilty to all of them and was sentenced to four consecutive so yeah he's not getting 20 20 to life on all on each one of the 25 Uh but But he had four consecutive okay but it was all in one case like one trial no so i imagine he was tried in kentucky i imagine he was tried in ohio Uh, okay okay because he was found guilty of the 24 counts of murder in one state and then he's found guilty of 25 counts in another Um, and the reason he pled guilty is he didn't want the death penalty. Oh. So he owned up to it and pled guilty because he didn't want to go not guilty and be obviously guilty and have, uh, be sentenced to death. Yeah. Um, on September 7th, 1987 in Kentucky, he confessed to committing 12 additional murders (gasps) while employed at Marymount Hospital. In November, he pled guilty and was sentenced to eight life terms plus 20 years. He pled guilty a few months later for three other deaths outside the hospital. That's probably the boyfriend and family members. Yeah. Um, he received three lives. So, I mean, he's been sentenced to the yeah. moon and back. Um, in total, Harvey was convicted of 37 murders, but some estimates place him closer to 87. Whoa. On March 30th, 2017, uh-huh. Harvey died at age 64 in prison. He did not die of natural causes he was found beaten to death <gasps> in his cell his murderer is still unknown whoa whoa what prison Wait. justice okay so how long had he he'd been in prison for years at this point i mean he went in in the late 80s and that was <gasps> two years ago that that happened what went down that's crazy jackie yeah. and that, that one's still being investigated or are they yeah. are they not really being investigated i don't know all right um dude isn't he 
Ah, he has a nickname, doesn't he? Angel of Death. Yeah, yeah. I've like heard I've heard his story before, but not mm-hmm. like all the details. That was rad. That was crazy. Yeah. Oh, Harvey. Ugh. So he never killed. He only killed elderly, right? Never like younger patients. I don't know how old his boyfriend was. Okay. But like he never had like access to children and stuff because it was more of a hospice. No, it situation. was said in one of I think the first person he killed, or maybe the second. There was a 12-year-old in the room. Oh. Not when they suffocated. Maybe the kid was sleeping. Oh. Yeah. That's so sad. Man, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jackie. You're welcome. <laughs> um, we actually are going to take a break right now. All right. All right. See you on the other side. Hey, guys. We're back from our break. I know it was short, but sweet and to the point. So now I'm going to tell you another murder story. Here we go. Jackie. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm ready. Are you I'm ready? All, I'm all ears. Okay. I'm going to tell you about Willie Smokey Saunders. Willie Saunders. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. We talked about this during the break. Mm-hmm. That while we had re-recorded the episode, we had recorded one previously, mm-hmm. you hadn't heard my story before. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good little little note to put there. Um, we decided, actually, Jackie told her mintcus story on a, right. another time and yeah, so yeah. she had to come up with a different basically story checked today. each other it was like do you remember anything about my story and because it had been so long ago mm-hmm. and yeah. i was like no so this one is from the original episode so mm-hmm. we'll see if you remember it i only remember one factoid and when we get to that factoid i'll go <laughs> remembered it <laughs> ding 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 okay so the year is 1935, the year Willie Smokey Saunders, a 20-year-old Canadian horse racing jockey in thoroughbred horse racing, wins the Triple Crown on the horse called Omaha. So the Triple Crown is what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Preakness, the Kentucky Derby, and the, the Belmont. The Belmont. Yes. Um, quite the horse, quite the rider. Quite Yes. Yeah. And you have to get the trifecta to get that Triple Omaha's Crown. Omaha's kind of a, no offense, Omaha. But kind of a lame name for a horse. I mean, do you think the names were less exciting back then? Now we have to build off of previous. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll go with yeah. that. Yeah. I think of the time of the prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he wins the triple crown and this has only been uh, done twice before. So okay. he's in a rare kind of sector of this competition. Um, and I was going to explain the triple crown, but we already did. So now you know it. It's oh, super freaking hard to do. And that wasn't the fact what I remembered. <laughs> Steel trap over there. Um, fun fact, any horse that wins the triple crown is said to net a hundred million dollars because of their semen. At what year? Now? I can't remember. That's, I want to say now. That's a lot of bread. But, and like, I don't know if it's for each time. I would think so. Wow. That's insane. How much money you can make off of a winning horse, though? Like, people are banking on that being a winner. Yeah. You can do that with bull sperm, too. Fun fact. Not as like, much. Like bull, like España bulls? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. España bull. I just, like, I don't know. <laughs> Gene Simmons had a reality show years ago. <laughs> in one episode, he... he, he He's like, I'm going to get into the bull semen yeah, game. Yeah, he, and he did in... Uh, Apparently, what, it's quite dogs lucrative. Yeah. yeah, it's very bizarre. Except for human semen, it's not that lucrative. No. Yeah, unless I mean, you're purebred. It, it does get bought and sold, but... Yeah, 
Oh, God. Okay. It <laughs> does, though, in banks, and people get, like, yeah. a one sheet, and they're yeah. like, this one's a NASA scientist. Yeah. Oh, I was reading an article. I don't know how old it was. Anywho, long story short, this doctor who was inseminating women. <gasps> we, we've talked about this. Did we? Yes. I thought I was telling Kyle about this. He switched out the semen mm-hmm. and put his own in. He so fathered he many a baby. Babies everywhere. That's insane. Yeah, they, like, they brought criminal charges, right? Yeah. And they, like, yeah. sued him. Oh, God. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Nancy, don't do that. Okay, so enough about semen. It's October in Louisville, Kentucky. (laughs) And Willie is in town to ride in the Kentucky Jockey Club race. Okay. He wins second place and decides to go downtown to celebrate with his buddy Walter Shaper, who is 25 years old. Huh? He's going to tie one on. Okay. It's it's a saying I didn't know was a saying. It means you're going to go party. You're going to go. And what year was that a saying? 1935? Uh, okay, cool. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so they head to a bar slash club uh, called Howard's, but this is 1935, and they aren't allowed to enter the bar unless they have a lady companion. So the bouncer asks one of the bar's regulars, Angus Mackison, who's 20 years old, if she will dance with the gentleman. Agnes. Agnes. I heard Angus. Mm-hmm. I like that man. I think I said Angus. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why a man was going to fix this Damn problem. it. I was looking at it. I was like, you got this, Drea? <laughs> <laughs> so Agnes Mackison is 20 years old. And uh, she, the bouncer's like, yo, will you dance with these gentlemen over here? And she's like, sure thing, toots. <laughs> <laughs> it's what I imagine I like said. her already. <laughs> um, but they need one more lady friend to join them to have the numbers balanced. You got to even it out. So... Agnes sees a girl and she points her out to Willie and Walter and the guys agree that Agnes should invite her over. Um, her name is Evelyn Slowinski and she's 24 years old and she's uh, married to Paul Slowinski who is a tailor. Hmm. Um, now Paul had asked his wife to go to the movies with him that night. Okay. Uh, but Evelyn wanted to go out drinking and have fun. So Evelyn was like, I'm going to go hit the town. I'll see you later. Ooh, ditched him. Ditched him. So Evelyn kind of has a history with getting drunk and getting arrested. Bit of a party girl. Mm-hmm. She's had three arrests in the last two years okay. so far. Uh, so, but it could also be the time, you know, where yeah. women, you know, it's women quite don't have all their rights yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she could be profiled. She's not behaving like a lady. Exactly. Uh, so after a few drinks, the new drinking buddies decide to go uh, cl- club hopping. All the while, Willie and Walter are using aliases. They're in Kentucky? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> They're in the Kentucky Derby. They're in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all the while, Willie and Wal- Walter are using aliases with the women, and they call themselves Tommy and Jimmy. Hmm. Evelyn and Willie are paired up for the night, and Willie becomes really jealous of Evelyn when she starts talking to other people. Uh, the group eventually decides to change bars again, and when they are outside, Evelyn and Willie get into a fight, and Willie slaps Evelyn so hard that she falls to the sidewalk. Whoa. Yeah. So Walter then says how they've all had too much to drink and that they should all take a drive, and Willie picks up Evelyn, and she agrees to go with them. So Walter's the buddy, Willie's the jockey. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Walter drives them through downtown Louisville before heading to a winding road that parallels the Ohio River. I remember a road. Uh Uh-huh. Called River Road. Oh, yes. I was not going to have the name. (laughs) But the drive isn't very calm because Evelyn and Willie continue to argue. Then, Evelyn gets sick in the back seat and Willie makes Walter pull over and he pushes Evelyn out of the car 
and leaves her on the side of the road and they drive off. Ooh. Ooh. So you've like, you're out partying. You met these strangers. She's on the middle of a road called River Road. Yeah. that I, That's a walk. Mm-hmm. I'm just oh, going to yeah. guess that's a walk yeah. to wherever. Yes. So I'm going to tell you about this road. Okay. So River Road isn't well lit and it's not a very wide road. So Evelyn is. Oh, but it snakes and meanders mm-hmm. and all, but it does this. Mm-hmm up and down rolling yeah. kind of thing yeah because <laughs> our, our yeah. listeners can see this they can hear my my motion <laughs> uh so evelyn is alone drunk and she's on this dark no- narrow bit of road and she's trying to figure out what to do since uber isn't a thing yet so she's no. just like she has no cell phone no cell phone there's nothing for her to do right now she's just hoofing it in the meantime walter and the rest of the car decide to turn around and go back to where they had kicked evelyn out because i all- imagine agnes is also kind of being like you guys, we got to go back and get her. I feel like Agnes has no say in this matter. Okay. Um, so they turn around. And maybe she's scared because she just watched them kick this gal out of a exactly. car. Yeah. Um, she doesn't know these guys. They all just met. Yeah. So, she didn't even know their names. Yes. Their real names. Yeah. So Walter's speeding about 50 to 60 miles per hour when he hits On river road. something mm. near the stop where they had left Evelyn. I'm going to guess that it's Evelyn. All right. So Agnes starts freaking out, and Walter and Willie reassure her it was just a cat or something. They drive a bit further, and the guys get out of the car, and they wipe off the wheels and the front bumper, and then they speed off again. Mm-mm. They then drop off Agnes at her house and say, you ain't seen nothing, you ain't heard nothing, you, ain't, you don't know nothing, and you're lucky you're alive. I forgot that this story is what that came from. That's one of my absolute favorites. You said that for a while after we recorded. You ain't seen nothing. You ain't heard nothing. Oh, um, it's so dark. Yeah. So, um, so in the meantime, a local high school athlete is on a date, and they're driving down this river road, mm-hmm. and they discover Evelyn's dead, mangled body. Mm. Um, an investigation ensues, and Angus tells... Angus. Agnes. <laughs> I really want a burger. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. <clears throat> An investigation ensues and Agnes tells police about the night um, that everything happened yeah. and how she had been hanging out with two men named Jimmy and Tommy and the aliases they had given that night. Yeah. So police quickly figure out that it's Walter and Willie. Okay. And they issue a warrants for their arrests. Um, now, Willie is being really chummy with the police officers and he's playing it up i mean yes yeah he's like oh oh my god i'm do you know who i am celebrity yes yes um and he even makes plans to grab some drinks with them when this whole misunderstanding is all over Mm. but then the men go to trial and um um but the men go to trial and willie is charged with accessory to murder and bond is sent at, set at $5,000, which is like uh, $86,000 in today's money. Okay. Uh, it's later reduced to $2,500. Oh. Um, yes. Wal- Walter is arraigned and charged with Evelyn's murder. Bond is set at 25000 but is later reduced to 10000 The story makes national news and is likely the scandal of the decade. Much like the O.J. Simpson trial in the mid-90s. Because you have a celebrity, you have a woman victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the story slowly plays out over two months. And it's tarnishing Willie's reputation as a world-renowned jockey. Mm -hmm. At Walter's trial in January of 1936, more details about that night come out. 
Agnes, the prosecution's only witness, describes for jurors how the foursome's road trip began with Willie knocking Evelyn to the sidewalk outside a club. Yeah. She went on to allege that Evelyn had been knocked unconscious. Oh, so the earlier story they mm-hmm. said was he slapped her and she fell down. Yes. And he grabbed her and was like, we're going on a ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so this has knocked her out. Yes. Dragged her to a car. Yes. And so um, Evelyn's saying that Willie put her in the back seat of the car and then repeatedly raped Evelyn while she was still passed oh. out. So Agnes watches this assault mm-hmm. is then there for the rest of this so she's probably terrified out of her yes. mind yeah because she sees she's that they outnumbered have, she got these two dudes yeah she they know no bounds mm-hmm. um so then there was another surprise during the trial the defense had raymond morala a grocery store clerk testify that philip Tiki schultz the teen who'd found evelyn's mm. body was the real murderer get out of here raymond said that he had been driving out on river road when he was stopped by philip who had his lights on the body Philip told him that he had struck the woman. Philip, of course, denied it was his car that struck Evelyn. The jury deliberates. Well, for... he's got his date with him. Like, she could also vouch yeah. that they didn't Yeah, and anybody. they could easily go to the car and look. Well, I don't know what the science back is. Yeah, time. but uh, the jury deliberates for two hours and then reads the verdict that includes this statement. Are two you... hours is a short deliberation. Yep. Okay. Are you ready for this? <sighs> oh, I think I remember being mad. Mm-hmm. There was no murder or involuntary manslaughter. Here were two women seeking to pick up two men. These ladies of the evening were experienced. These boys, he motioned towards Walter and Willie, were not. No one could believe that Saunders took advantage of uh, Miss Solowinski in that automobile, not even the Commonwealth's attorney. I'm annoyed. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that you've ever told me a story that didn't annoy me. They're all annoying. I'm annoyed. They're frustrating. All right. So you could kind of see the time. Yeah. Yeah. There's a framework. All right. So upon Walter's acquittal, a motion was made by the Commonwealth's attorney to drop the charges of accessory to murder against Willie. Willie then addresses the court, gripping a lucky rabbit's foot and says... So Walter's found not guilty. "Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not even like the celebrity thing. It like Walter's found not guilty. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So Willie gets up and he's like, I regret all of this had to happen. I've been very much worried because it was the first time I was ever in trouble. But I promise you it will be the last. Mm-hmm. He says nothing about the victim. Nope. Not like there's no remorse there. So William and Walter were charged in a $100,000 civil lo- uh, civil lawsuit um, filed by the estate of Evelyn Solinsky. It's like her husband and family. Mm-hmm. Soon after Walter's acqu- acquittal in the murder trial, a settlement of $10,000, nearly 171000 today's money, was reached in the civil suit. Kind of like the O.J. Simpson. Oh, they didn't settle. O.J. was found guilty. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, that's what's crazy is in the criminal case, he was found not guilty. Mm-hmm. And then they took him to criminal case where the preponderance of guilt it's different yeah so it's not reasonable doubt it's uh you just have to be more than 51 percent sure mm-hmm. and he was found guilty and that's why they own oj yeah because they, they they're trying to collect royalties off not royalties but no they just they sued him for millions of dollars yeah for and for prematurely ending nicole's life and yeah uh ron ron goldman is that the dad I think it's Ron. Anyway, um, and so now every dollar that OJ makes, they're after because he owes them millions. Yeah, that's crazy. 
so after the trial, Willie returned to racing. In June of that year, he married. He never rode in another Kentucky Derby. Weight issues and military service disrupted his riding career. He died of cancer in Florida in 1986 at the age of 71. Dang, just died an old man. Mm-hmm. Imagine marrying a guy who went to trial. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to think that he didn't do it, that he was found innocent. Mm-hmm. And be like, whoa, what a blip. I mean, if you are dating a man and, like, say, on the third day of your Tinder situation, it comes up that he was in murder trial, but you hear his side of it and how he saw it. He yeah. Paints, he paints you the picture. Well, in the newspaper articles, like, let's say, let's see, let's pretend you went sleuthing it down to the library and you're out there on the <laughs> microfiche. You're going to get the same story. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how it ended up. You'd have to talk to Agnes. You'd have to go get a cup of black coffee with Agnes mm-hmm. to get the real story. Or a martini. Or a martini. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, Willie Smokey. Oh, the jock. Writer. Hate it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no justice in that story. Yeah. No. He walked free. Him and his friend. I wonder what happened to Walter. Oh, I don't know. God, that must be eating him up inside. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Ugh. It should, but I don't think it yeah. is. All right. All so, <laughs> so that was my murder. Mm-hmm. Um, Recommendations. Yeah. What are you watching, reading, looking at, um, listening to? Honestly, I have decided to build a bike shop at my house. Okay. So I've been like researching and looking up building your own bike shop stuff. What does that entail? Um, I went and bought pegboard. Okay. And I'm researching what, like, bike stand I want. Yeah. Um, and then it's, like, going through all my tools. And, like, now it's the the puzzle of, like, how do I want these all to look? To, to look. And, like, <gasps> what am I going to be grabbing most? And, like, there's certain tools I know that I want, but do I need them? Uh-huh. And, like, let's wait till I need it to buy it. There's a lot of, like, being mature involved. Oh, <laughs> that's fun. What, what's the time frame of getting that done? Uh, it's already kind of done. So I cleaned up all around down there. I've put up the pegboard. I've started all of that. Um, so now I think I'm going to take the bike that I'm going to loan you mm-hmm. and I'm going to like clean it and get it all dialed in because now I know how to dial <gasps> it in. I'm so excited. Yeah. So just new girl episodes just <laughs> on in the background of my house. Yeah. And, uh, what else? I think I've been, I'm in the, I'm reading like a John Grisham, but at a very slow pace. Um, I think what it. The Partner, I think that's what I'm in the middle of, just mm-hmm. as a fiction book. Yeah. And, yeah, that's kind of, since last we spoke. Where you're at. Um, I am, Kyle has kind of, like, toned it down for me. And Game of Thrones, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say. So, Kyle has toned it down. I'm not allowed to watch as much true crime around <laughs> him anymore. Um, but he's gone in June, so I'll <laughs> watch all of it. So, give me all your recommendations. <laughs> Because I'm going to get it out in one go. Um, but we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. And that is Very funny. so funny. If you haven't seen that. I know I'm super late to the game. But super funny show. Um, and obviously Game of Thrones. We watched the, the episode last night. Like oh separately. God. But yeah. It was super good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if I would say check out Game of Thrones, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Maybe take a break from true crime for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. some other stuff in there. Yeah. Because otherwise you start... So, ah, poor Kyle. I'm making Kyle check under the bed and in the closet before we go to sleep now. Oh, you've scared yourself. Yes, because there's so many of them who case out 
the victims for like a day or two in their own house. Like there's the crawl space guy. There's the axe murderer railroad guy. And like, what if he's, and then Kyle just makes a joke every time he looks under the bed. He's like, oh no, come on, Bob. We caught you this time. We'll see you tomorrow. And I'm like, you don't know. You don't know. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Sprinkle some goodness in your life. <laughs> yeah, when you should not be terrified in your, in your house. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Boom, boom. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent was Jackie Andrea. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram, at Killer Cocktails Podcast, or stop by our website, killercocktailspodcast.com, for up-to-date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at michellefirmdesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on Hashtag Murder Mondays. (laughs) (laughs) My murder? Your murder. My murder and me. Oh, no. (laughs) Remember those commercials for my buddy? The little doll? No. Hmm. <laughs> mm. His little doll, and he wore Oshkosh Bagash overalls. Oh my god. <laughs>